what's been going on y'all today I have a solo show so it's just me today and uh so let's just talk I feel like we haven't talked in a while so what's been going on so uh, I think the main thing that I think I've been looking at the most is how uh so many states just I guess they're just tired of COVID and they just ready to reopen so it's kind of crazy so we saw this week uh what Texas they took off the the mass mandate 100 percent I think the the uh the businesses are opening at a hundred percent. Mississippi, I think, did the same thing. This morning when I was before before I recorded, I saw in Idaho they were having like a damn capital riot and they were burning masks. Here's my thing that gets me like I don't I don't think anybody wants to wear a mask, right? I I don't think anybody does. But they're so like second nature to me now that like I don't really think anything of it when I have to put one on. Like I have them in my car, I have them in my pocket. So I always have one. I think it's weird when people don't. So what are you out here doing? Because uh, you really can't really go to many places without one. Even though North Carolina is a little looser, I think. I mean, I just think common courtesy for other people. I still would just wear one. Uh, so it doesn't really bother me. So it's interesting when I see so many people, you know, feeling uh, or claiming that they were oppressed by wearing a mask. I think that's weird. I don't, I don't know. I don't I don't get the oppression um, because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And yes, vaccines are rolling out, but at the end of the day, everybody's not vaccinated. They're saying that ever since Texas has been like no mass, that their cases has been going up. I don't know how true that is, only because it's only been a few days. But I mean, that's one of the largest states I think we have in the United States. And so um, I don't really know how safe that is. So it's it's, it's mind boggling to me. I, I don't know. Uh, Mika's advice to everyone is to still walk in safety. You know, don't take the shit for granted. Uh, what we have going on. Um, if you're able to get the vaccination, I say get it. And then, um, you know, at least then you're, you know, somewhat protected. And then, so yeah, so I just thought that was kind of, I thought that was kind of crazy. But I mean, I'm not really at this point really surprised at anything that I really see. But um, yeah, just continue to be safe, man. Just give common currency to other people. You know, uh, COVID is still here. We're still trying to get through it as best we can. And, uh, you know, just try to look out for other people. And that that's, I mean, honestly, that's why I think I don't have such a problem wearing a mask. Just because, you know, I haven't had COVID. I've been pretty much in the house. But at the end of the day, you know, you do have people walking around asymptomatic. So I very well could have walked, been walking around with it. Who knows? And just didn't know. And so, you know, me doing my due diligence and putting on a mask, it didn't bother me, especially if I was around other people that could be affected. So I don't know, but that was just, uh, that was probably the craziest thing I've seen. Um, let's see what else I got going on. Spring break is coming. So we've been trying to figure out what to do with the child. Um, this is his last spring break, uh, in his senior year before he go off to college. So it's bittersweet, but we've been trying to figure out something to do as a family. I'm not really sure yet what we're going to do. I think we're just going to kind of spend time and kick it, but, um, and maybe like, you know, do some small things throughout the week or something like that. We're still trying to figure it out. But other than that, that's all I've had going on. So let's just get into Motivational Monday. So for today, for Motivational Monday, I have a journal entry and it's name something that makes you happy. And then you can also just go in depth about why that is and all that in your journal entry. I haven't really been doing much journaling. I need to, uh, that's something I need to kind of invest more time. I do actually, I do write down notes, but I haven't been full blown journaling and, and using like writing prompts and those help a lot, especially if you have a journal that already have those in there. 
Um, if you don't, you know, I try to sprinkle some in here, but those actually do help just kind of reminding you of things. Um, this was from a gratitude journal. So it's just kind of reminding you things of just to be grateful for. All right. So today for my black excellence, now I'm going to try to explain all this shit because it's kind of complicated, but I am giving it to Jay-Z. So let me tell you why. First off, Jay-Z just, just had a big uh, sell of his, um, of his stake in his champagne business. I think that was like 200 something million. And then, um, so the big thing was, so Jay-Z first purchased title for 56 million. He sold 33% to Sprint. Sprint then was bought by T-Mobile. And then he went and bought the 33% back. And then he sold his stake to Square for 297 million. And then he joined Square's board, but people like Rihanna, Beyonce and all them, they still have their stake in the company as well. But, um, that's fucking major. So I thought that was, I thought that was really dope. I mean, Jay-Z, you know, he said a long time ago that he was a business. And I mean, the way that his, um, his mind work, his business savvy and all that, um, is dope, man. It's, it's incredible. So just to, to have a turnaround of like what, $240 million. It's crazy. So that's my black excellence. All right. So for hot topics, I actually do have quite a bit. So we're going to see how much I get through now. Let's see. So we saw the golden globes. Uh, this was actually going to originally be my, my, uh, black excellence, but we saw a lot of black wins. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya won for Judas and the black Messiah, which that movie was phenomenal. Uh, so one, so I'm not really sure if that means Jamie Foxx won, but Soul won. And I love that movie. We watched we watched it as a family, I think, for Christmas. Uh, let's see. Um, Andre Day won for Billie Holiday. That was her first time. And the what's craziest, the last uh, black actress that won in that category was Whoopi Goldberg in um, Color Purple in 1985. Crazy. So fucking long ago. Uh, let's see. Who else won? John Boyega won. Oh, and Chadwick Boseman won, and that was really sad. Uh, his his uh, fiance accepted his award. Oh gosh, that's so difficult. That was uh, that's such a still a major loss to us all. Um, but yeah, so the, but the major thing that was surrounding the Golden Globes, which I really actually didn't even realize is maybe I did, and maybe I just forgot about. It. I'm not really sure. But 87 out of the 87 writers that has voting privileges are are white. And so basically this year they're like, you know, time's up and totally like when you say and think about the black work and just the black dollars that go into, uh, you know, a lot of this phenomenal work, um, it definitely should be more representation when it comes to voting, because a lot of the black work should be, uh, you know, more in the spotlight. Think about some shows, especially shows that I love. Think about Queen Sugar and, and the amazing storytelling that's on that show. Even right now, they're giving you a full lens of what was it like you know, for people in, in during COVID and the pandemic, um, and just amazing storytelling, you know, definitely should get more accolades than what it does. I feel like Insecure should too, you know, uh, mainly from the standpoint of, um, the audience that it, that it secures the co-following of it. And, you know, more, sh more shows and movies and, and actors and actresses, uh, especially, you know, black ones should get more than what they, um, what they're getting, you know? Um, but it's mainly due to the fact that there's no one sitting in the table, you know, there's no representation. And so a lot of times, you know, people in that room might not have seen this work. 
So when you have like the people that's already crossed over, like the Regina Kings and the Viola Davis and all that, well, yeah, they might see some of that work, you know, uh, but some of the other ones that might be up and coming, they might not see their work. And so, you know, it doesn't get recognized. And that's things that definitely need to change. And not just like on a black, white thing, just diversity in general, you know, because it's not just black and white actresses, right? So it should just be inclusion and diversity of all groups. And I, I don't, I, I just feel like in 2021, why is shit still so whitewashed? It's just, it's just uh, astonishing to me. It, sh- it shouldn't be astonishing, but it's still just from the standpoint of like, I don't, I don't get it, but it still was good to see a lot of the, the black wins. So, all right. So I've been kind of keeping you guys updated with the T T I and tiny thing. I saw this week, just giving the update that, um, allegedly, uh, charges are coming. Um, 11 women have come forward and a lawyer is seeking charges in Georgia and California. So what's making this thing kind of heat up some is that these are 11 women who did not know each other at all. And they all kind of have the same story. So that's kind of crazy. The same stuff about, you know, um, being forced to do drugs, uh, being forced into orgies, things like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know, but this looks really, this looks really bad. Uh, starting to get really messy. So, you know, I don't know, but I'm going to, I'm going to update you as this goes on right now. They haven't been charged with anything, but I'm pretty sure charges is probably coming. So another big thing that's been going on, which is kind of crazy, uh, which speaking on the same thing, Andrew Cuomo, uh, he basically was like when, when COVID first started and the pandemic first started, um, you know, he was like on point in New York, like giving you these fucking updates, you know, doing all like, you know, in the media all the time, like he was pretty on point really being, you know, uh, hyped up, you know, to be like, you know, maybe next president, um, in the races in the future and things like that. Okay. So the first thing I saw was this was a couple weeks ago. So I don't know why I didn't talk about this, but he basically, the first scandal he had, he basically flubbed the numbers of deaths shown in the, uh, elderly homes. So he basically uh, made it less than what it was, which is crazy. So he um, gave false reports in regards to how many people were dying in old folks' homes. And then now it's been three women to come forward about uh, him with sexual harassment. One, the latest girl, she actually has receipts. So she, I think she actually has like uh, pictures and um, text messages. And a lot of them have text messages where, you know, he's basically trying to force himself on on, on them. He's like, I think in his fifties, I think six, close to 60. Some of these young ladies are still in their twenties and they were like, you know, either his aides or, you know, one girl, she got moved to a different department and she was like, you know, she didn't come forward because she was just happy to be away from him. So she just tried to just let it go. What's unfortunate in situations like this though, is that a lot of people be like, well, why didn't they say anything? I hate when people ask questions like that because when you're being sexually assaulted or, you know, or harassed or things like that, a lot of time, a lot of shame comes with that. Or you just want to fucking forget, or you just want to move forward. And a lot of times, a lot of women do not say shit, you know, unfortunately, and you damn near suffer in silence. And it's a true thing. And it's a real thing, you know, um, even with men, you know, when you see men that sexually harassed, you know, they don't come forward. It's rare when people actually speak out. So I think sometimes when I see situations like this, 
I always kind of, you know, I look for the facts, obviously, because people can lie. But I always, you know, especially when it's receipts and it's proof and things like that, I always go with the woman in general because uh, it's really difficult to actually speak out and say, yes, this happened to me, you know, and things like that. It takes a lot of um, courage to do that. And so I never really discount, you know, what people say. Um, I try to just, you know, look, look, look into it, you know, like, especially if they have receipts and they have receipts on Cuomo. So he basically came forward. He apologized. I don't really think apology is enough, but he's not going to resign. And, you know, it's kind of crazy that like you can, like, this is mainly why people don't come forward. You can have allegations towards somebody uh, and say this person did something to you or disrespected you. And that person can still just be, you know, in office and still live in their life. So I don't know. We're going to see if anything comes from that. But right now he said he's not resigning. All right. So I told you guys a couple weeks ago that Kanye and Kim were getting a divorce. No real surprise there. So apparently things are starting to kind of heat up some. I mean, at first I really thought that it was going to be like some amicable shit. Like I don't really get why are two rich people arguing, you know, especially when it comes to absolutely nothing. Uh, I think they both agreed to uh, split in joint custody. I think that wasn't an issue. Let's see. Apparently Kim got the house. I think that was one of the things that she was worried about. Uh, let's see. I saw somewhere, I'm not really sure how true that is, that every year they're married, Kanye has to give her a million dollars. But to be completely honest with you, like she's not hurting for money and neither is he. I mean, the way I will look at it is like, you know, just break even, you know what I'm saying? Like he's, you know, he claims that he's worth like $5 billion. I'm not really sure, but that's, you know, a lot of his money comes from the Yeezys and his deal with Gap and Adidas. So, I mean, he could be, I'm not really sure. But I feel like, you know, even when it came down to the mansion, I think he didn't want to let that go because he basically designed the whole thing. Um, I think it was Kim's land, but he designed the house and saw it through. So, you know, there's feelings there. I don't think that Kanye wanted to get a divorce either. So, you know, usually when people are hurt and you do shit, you know, hurt people, hurt people. So hopefully, you know, this is not something that turns into something. I don't really care either way, you know, when it comes to them. Um... Of course, it's going to be taped, um, of course, you know, and so, uh, you know, we're going to see it all unravel anyway. If you watch the show, I don't, but we're going to, you're going to see it anyway. And apparently like I saw on, I think Wendy Williams, maybe I can't remember where I saw it. They were talking about how Kanye has been selling the old jewelry that he gave Kim. Now, my thing is like, that's some tacky shit. Like if you gave it to her as a gift, why the fuck are you selling it? Like, why even be petty like that? Like you have millions and millions and millions of dollars. Just let the shit fucking be. That's my opinion. I think you hate to see stuff like this, especially when there's kids involved. So hopefully they figure out whatever the fuck they got going on. Like I, I don't, I just don't get why you don't just, just, you got the split and joint custody and just break, you know, come in what you came with and just keep it going. You know, like it's, it's, I don't know. I just, when you see rich people fighting over God knows what, it's just like, it's not that serious. I don't think so. And I also think that, you know, Kanye needs to focus on himself and his mental health, you know, and I think that should be something that's in the forefront. All right. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about now I'm recording today on Sunday, you're going to hear this on Monday. So when you get this on Monday, the interview, I think it's Aaron tonight at eight o'clock, uh, on Sunday. So you've already heard it on Monday or seen it. I'm definitely watching it tonight. Uh, Oprah sits down with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Um, let's see. 
reportedly um, CBS paid seven in between seven and nine million for this interview. Basically, I think this interview, uh, I mean, I think it's important, you know, because, you know, you saw, I think large majority of us watched the crown. So they gave a very intimate, you know, up close look of princess Diana life with the Royals and it was horrible. And, um, yeah, so I think that they're basically, you know, speaking about their experience. We saw that Harry and, and Meghan broke apart from the royal family, came over here because, you know, he chose his family, chose love. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, they're basically giving their account of what they have going on now and what's going on. I think they have a beautiful story. And, I mean, if you look at, you know, Meghan's experience over there, I mean, the, the British press was absolutely horrible towards her. Uh, definitely high levels of racism. I mean, even down to... Uh, they called her child, uh, a monkey. So, I mean, if you, if you don't think that that's, you know, some, some crazy shit, I don't know. And even, even with like, apparently right now the Warriors are like pissed that they're coming out with this interview and going to be speaking on the family. I totally believe all the reports of that. Now all of a sudden they're saying that the staff, uh, under Megan over in Britain, they're saying that they're accusing her of bullying. Here's my thing. Cause we don't know. This is all speculation. This could just be them trying to do a smear campaign because they're doing, you know, Oprah. Right. But here's my thing though. If, if only thing you can say about somebody is that they quote unquote bullied you, or maybe they were rude to you. Right. Not saying that shit is right. Cause that shit is not right. But if that's the only thing you can say about a person, I, I think I would rather take that than have somebody damn near, you know, harass this woman every fucking day. I mean, they was, they was on this girl, like white on fucking rice over there. Right. They're, you know, chasing them down in the fucking streets, article after article, very racist, you know, it was horrible. And so I can only imagine living that fucking experience. I would want to get the fuck out of there too, regardless of whatever. And a lot of people, a lot of people I've heard, you know, the opposite of how I feel. Like I've heard people say, Oh, you know, she's spoiled. She's rich. What she expect going to be in the Royals? But no, nobody deserves to be like that, right? They called her child a fucking monkey. That's absolutely fucking insane and disgusting. So I'm curious to see, you know, what they're going to talk about. They said that, uh, you know, they're not leaving anything off the table. So, you know, I'm tuning in. And uh, we're going to talk about it again next week. If, if I see anything juicy, we're going to talk about it. And we're going to dissect it a little bit. All right. So that's all I have for the hot topics. It really wasn't too much. Right. And, uh, so this week I had this word that's been like on my spirit, like all week. And I, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was just thinking about capacity. Uh, and so today for my thought of the week, I'm going to just talk a little bit about capacity and what that means to me. So for the thought of the week, I wanted to have a discussion on capacity. So capacity has been on my mind for a lot of reasons. Um, I think we hear that term a lot when we people hear people say, you know, I don't have the capacity to deal with this. Right. Uh, I, I say that a lot and I actually practice and it's hard, right? Capacity control is hard, right? And not overextending yourself. So this is what I've learned when it comes to this, when, when I started therapy, right, there was a lot of things that I had to unpack, you know, first, (laughs) first was the unpacking of shit, right. And getting to the root of, you know, some of my shit. 
And then it was the solution part, right? Uh, a, a large majority of a lot of things I was doing was overextending myself when I shouldn't have. And that should have wear you thin, right? And I think we all do it. We have areas where we overextend ourselves. Could be work, could be in relationships, could be with our family. And so mine was hitting like every category, right? But it was to a level of I wasn't doing right by myself. So the first things that I went over uh, was boundaries and limits. That shit is hard, right? Um, Especially when you have to put boundaries on people that you love and care about. I think that was probably one of the hardest things I had to work on. And I think that we worked on it for a year and and maybe over. I think, I think I talked about that shit for over a year. I think, um, this one section, and that's what I try to tell people when it comes to therapy, therapy, and me and Leslie have this conversation a lot, uh, when it comes to Isaiah therapy is something that is not just overnight. You're not just going to automatically just go for a few sessions and up your thinking has changed and oh, you know, you have this awakening. This shit just don't work like that. You know, as much as we would love for it to, it just doesn't. And so, uh, it can take time for you just to even break habits. Uh, so for me, it was more so getting out of the habit of what I was doing, but also really putting thought in the shit that I'm doing and, and breaking down. Why do I feel like I need to do these things? And that's what took time. And when I was going through that, I will say that was when therapy was the hardest for me was when you start breaking down things about yourself and you come into that realization of why you might do the things that you do. Um, it's hard. And I think people are lying if they sit and tell you, or they're not taking that shit serious enough. If they sit and tell you every session is just roses and therapy, I don't, I don't think so. I think when you first start and you, if you really trying to break down some shit, unlearn some shit, you have to go through the fucking muddy part first, you know, looking at yourself, you know, evaluating yourself, talking about yourself, um, laying it all out there. And that's, that's the hard part to me. See, now when I go, like, I've pretty much done a lot of the hard part. So, you know, sometimes it's just me clearing my thoughts or, you know, trying to figure some stuff out. But for the most part, like, you know, I kind of do the work now automatically. So boundaries and limits was something that I had to really, really work on and be intentional towards it. Um, and it wasn't easy to do. A lot of times I would do things for people or, and even down to, okay, let me, let me explain this. So it wasn't even a matter of me doing things for people, right? It was a matter of, I think I just did a poor job of protecting my peace. And, and I think I didn't honestly even know what that even meant. Like, what does protecting your peace look like? We all say that, right? Oh, protect your peace. You know, and people think if they go read an affirmation or jot some shit down in the journal, that's protecting their peace. But no, protecting your peace, like truly protecting that shit is protecting that shit from everything and everybody, family, friends, whatever, right? So it might be a day that I have the capacity this day to sit and listen to a friend vent or, you know, listen to um, a coworker or sit and let my mom unload about, you know, some shit. And then on another day where I've worked, I'm tired, you know, I have other things on my mind. 
it might be a day that I don't have the capacity for it. And see, and before when I was just letting people just unload on me all the time, I never took in consideration myself. Well, what do you, what do you have today to even fucking give to somebody else, but give to yourself first. And so those are things that I started just putting up boundaries, you know, with, with people, especially the hard hitter people, you know, the ones that was my trouble areas. Um, I had to put them like, kind of like in a certain kind of box, you know, uh, to where if I, if I couldn't do it, I couldn't do it. So it's, you know, I had to learn to say, no, I don't, I don't want to talk about this or no, I can't do this. Right. And that shit is difficult in general, but it's so necessary for your mental health because at the end of the day, and I tell everyone like yourself, you and your person should be number one, not in a selfish way, but in a way of you are protecting yourself because if you broke down and you drain and you let people just drain your fucking life with their shit, you're not going to have anything else to give to anybody else. And you're not gonna be able to give to yourself. So you have to always keep that in consideration. So what happens when you overextend yourself, right? Most times you see burnout. I had a burnout episode on here. And when I went through burnout, um, which was a real fucking thing, uh, I had suicidal thoughts, um, crazy thoughts, right? Like I never had suicidal thoughts before. And it would be times that like, you know, I didn't care if I was out of here and it was scary as fuck for me. Burnout came from me working two jobs and mind you, I didn't even have to work a second job. That was just what I just already been working in since college. And I was just like, oh, you know, this is like my play money. So I would just basically use that money that for that part-time job and I would pay for trips and I would pay for, you know, books and video games and all this other bullshit, but I didn't need it. So me just, you know, once again, overextending myself, being loyal because I had been there, they still needed my help. And so I would go from, I would wake up, I would start work around 6.30, 7 o'clock, go from there around 3.30, 4 o'clock, Around 4.30, I would go to my second job. I would work until the store closed at 9. I would work till 9.30, didn't get back home till 10 something. I was getting my master's. So when I got home, I maybe would grab a bite to eat. Maybe, you know, wouldn't even take a shower. And I would be doing my schoolwork. And I did that until the wee mornings. And then I would just do it all over again the next day you know, and, and wait until my part-time, I had an off day and, uh, it was a vicious fucking cycle and I was depleted, depleted. I think I was working like seven days a week. I mean, just doing entirely too fucking much and that shit caught up with me. And when you have fucking burnout, you know, it's, it's rough and it takes you time to get out of that. So now what do I do? You know, once again, um, before I reach my overload, I set up boundaries and limits. And I even do that with work. You know, I don't work two jobs anymore. I work one. I get off at 3.30. I give them until 3.30. You know, I don't, I don't over, you know, fully overly, overly extend myself and all that. Because I know that um, I have to make time for myself. So also, what do I do? I sit and I take mental health days. You know, if I've been working and I haven't had a day off, I just take a Monday and have a three day weekend. And then on that Monday, I just do absolutely nothing. If I want to rest all day, I'll rest. 
If I want to, you know, work on some pot and stuff, I'll do that. But if I don't want to do anything, I don't do anything. And I've been doing that and being intentional about that for a few years now because your mental health is important. A job will be there. Your work will be there when you get back. But your mental health, your body, you, your person is should be number one regardless, right? Also, when you overextend yourself, you become resentful. So you could be, you could have a high level of resentment towards the person that maybe you're overextending yourself for. It could be resentment towards your job, but it's always going to lead to a level of unhappiness. It is. And so, um, and then also, uh, I had this conversation in therapy one time and she was like, you know, when you have resentment and you, you know, you have these feelings towards a person, it can make you behave in a way that might not even speak to who you truly are. And I really understood what she was saying because sometimes like, you know, I know times when I'm stressed out, like not really now because I, I've learned coping and I've learned how to communicate, but shit before, if you caught me going the wrong day, like, I don't know, like I was complete fucking bitch. So I get how resentment and things like that can, uh, can affect relationships and also it could just make you have you know negative thoughts in general and you know that's not all that's not good so okay so how do you fight the noise when you when you have uh say people or you have situations that is making you reach your capacity how do you how do you fight that so there's quite a few ways right okay so i made like a little list and i said you can talk it out so you can talk to the person, right? That may or may not work. Uh, there's been times that I lead with talking first and tell them how I feel and things like that. And just because you tell somebody how they feel don't mean that, you know, they have the maturity to really take serious what you're saying or the accountability and self-awareness, right? If you're telling somebody how you feel and they're not open to hear you or they're not receptive or they're telling you, no, that's not the case. Yeah, more than likely, um, that person probably lacks self-awareness and accountability. And especially if they're not willing to hear you. So more than likely, you probably aren't going to get what you need from that person. And that's when you know you have to set up boundaries and limits with that person. Because they're 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 not aware of the things that they're doing. And so they're definitely going to continue to treat you like shit, basically. All right. So when it comes to the boundaries, you also have to figure out what is your ceiling? You know, what do you want to deal with? For me, my ceiling is, it's only so much negativity I'm going to actually sit through and I'm going to actually be around. If you're a negative person in general, like I'm more, I'm, I can already say and tell you more than likely it's only so long I'm going to rock with you. Because for me, I strongly believe in who you surround yourself with, who you're around, things like that. It matters. It matters a lot. And, you know, if you're walking in your purpose and you're walking in a positive way, which I personally try to do, uh, it's kind of difficult to be around somebody that's negative all the time um, because I don't I don't want you to knock me off my course. Right. And at the end of the day, like, you know, it's not really my job to walk around trying to fix people. You can be in support of your friends, but it's just not your job to fix people. That's why that's why they have therapists and things like that. 
right? And I had to learn that because I definitely, that was my crux is that I was trying to fix everyone instead of, you know, looking out for myself, you know, honoring myself, loving myself and not just being a dumping ground for everyone. So capacity has been on my mind so much this week. Uh, I think because, you know, we're all been in this pandemic, we've all been struggling with things and just knowing, you know, just how much you can deal with definitely set up boundaries, definitely set up limits and also, uh, give yourself a quiet place. And that could be therapy. You know, I, I think everybody should have a level of therapy. I know it can be expensive, right? It can be an expensive journey. Um, and uh, maybe some of us don't have insurance. I'm not really sure, but it's still something just to, you know, look into if you, if you don't. And, um, uh, if you, if you don't go to a therapist, because it's nothing wrong with just unpacking your shit. We all have things. There is no, no such thing as a perfect person. No such thing as a person who don't need a little something. And it could be something as simple as, you know, boundaries, something as simple as self-love, what that looks like. Um, it could be something as simple as not overextending yourself, you know, maybe unpacking some trauma you might've had. You know, maybe trying to understand why you do some of the things you do. And so I don't know, uh, therapy for me has been one of the most enlightening journeys that I think I've ever taken, uh, is, it's really become my passion, um, to really just talk and, and, and talk about, you know, my journey and how honestly I feel like therapy really saved my life. But at the same time, I think it really, really helped mold me as the person I am today at, at this prime age of 36. And, um, you know, it really helped me unpack a lot of things that's happened in my life and it helped me realize, um, what my purpose was and it really helped me just walk in it. And every day, like I'm really intentional with the messaging that I want to put out. And that's just, you know, for all of us to be kind, be good to ourselves, be good to each other. Right. We need to, uh, love more and hate less. And, you know, I try to just be good, right? And it's an everyday thing, everyday work to be a good person, everyday work to be uh, and stay aligned to my values. And so, you know, it's something that I take really serious and I'm really proud of it, you know? So, all right. I told you guys head off today about therapy. Mika PSA today. <laughs> All right. But, uh, yeah, this is a cool conversation. Definitely going to go more in depth with that in the future. Um, but with everybody still kind of being indoors a little bit and kind of just being holed up, uh, definitely knowing what your capacity is and how much shit you can deal with is very fucking important. And your mental health is very important. All right. So, all right. So you can find me on, um, social media. My Instagram is at, it's just my thoughts underscore podcast. My uh, Twitter is IJMT podcast and my Gmail, uh, if you have any inquiries towards the show is at IJMT podcast at gmail.com. Um, please follow, like, subscribe. You can find the pod streaming on most streaming platforms. Uh, I appreciate a lot of the feedback that I've been getting. You guys have really been listening to a lot of the episodes. So I definitely appreciate that. I always appreciate you guys listening. Leave me feedback on especially on Instagram where I post the, uh, the episode notes. So you can definitely hit me up on there. Let me know how you feel about the episode. Let me know if there's anything you want to hear me talk about. And uh, 
I have some pretty cool episodes coming up, so I'll keep you posted on that. And I thank you so much for listening. It's Mika here, and I appreciate you.